Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Danny Says is a documentary on the life and times of Danny Fields. And since 1966... Danny Fields has played a pivotal role in music and culture in the late 20th century, working with The Doors, Lou Reed, Nico, Judy Collins, Iggy Pop, and The Stooges, the MC5, and the Ramones, and many, many others. A man who followed his heart and, and his love of music and of culture and of and, and outrage and rebellion and you name it. And we are so uh, thrilled to be joined uh, uh, today by the director of uh, Danny Says, and that would be Brandon Toller. Brandon, welcome to Film School. Hey, guys. I'm thrilled to be at Film School. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, first of all, I want to say that you can go to um, – there's two places you can go to. You go to dannysaysfilm.com to find out more about the film. Also, uh, Magnolia Pictures is magpictures.com slash says. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of places. Now, I, I didn't ask before we went on the air. Are you in town in in, in L.A. for any Q and A's? Or are you? <laughs> if it's still playing around October seventeenth, yeah, I'll be in, in town for two weeks. But, uh, uh, okay. Um, as as for right now, no, I'm I'm I am on the east. The Eastern Seaboard the Eastern doing seaboard. this weekend. Yeah. Yep. Well, I just brushed across the the very top of the uh, of the man that is Danny Fields here. Tell us a little bit about how you came to know about Danny Fields. Sure. I was uh, working on my first film, I Need That Record, which is mm-hmm. about uh, record stores and why they should exist in the digital age and what made their precarious situations so. uh and uh, I was uh, going out with this photographer at the time, Ariel Rosenblum, and her grandmother, Naomi, used to go to the ballet and play backgammon with Danny Field. And she insisted that I meet him. Now, Danny Field wasn't exactly a stranger to me. I had read about him in Please Kill Me, where he has a dedication, the coolest guy in the room, from Legs McNeil and Julian McCain. <laughs> And then he's also in No One Here Gets Out Alive, yeah. The Doors, Jim Morrison book, and then he's in Edie, the Gene Stein book. So I knew sort of like, you know, the, the fractured Danny Field story, but he was kind of a mythical figure, and I sort of thought that maybe he was two or three different people because I figured a guy couldn't be, you know, roaming around Harvard with, you know, Edie's crowd, and then years later discovering and managing the Ramones for the first five years. But it is all the same guy. So it is I'm true. Glad that his narrative is finally being the light of day for audiences to experience because he's a really funny, sarcastic, cynical storyteller. Right. Well, he narrates the film. It's. I mean, yeah. it's kind of. It's. It's. It's about him, but he's also. I mean, say narrate. He's commenting on his life. I don't know that he's actually. Be fair to say, he's narrating the film, but he's commenting on the things and all the people and and his side of the story, if you will. But the depth and breadth of the people that he found to be intriguing, people that he was drawn to, whether it be for love, <laughs> or love of music, or whatever it is or was, um, pretty remarkable eye for that kind of thing, eye for talent, wouldn't you say? Uh, absolutely so. I mean, it, it's funny because Danny Fields is kind of forever 
the outsider, and yet the mainstream has been bending his way for the past 40 years. Um, you know, these people like Iggy Pop, Nico, Patti Smith, and Joey Ramone were freaks at their time, but uh, because of Danny's intelligence, he's able to create context and kind of give audiences a platform under which they can appreciate these great artists who were not only powerful but empowering. Yeah. Yes. And again, I mentioned off air, this is kind of my wheelhouse, this era, right? I mean, giving away my age a little bit, but I was a huge uh, Velvet Underground fan and I just, and all of this stuff, all the people he liked, I like. Um, I did, I wasn't as much into the MC5 and the Stooges were, I, I would, they were, they seemed, I don't know what it was and just sort of missed them, but I caught up with it a little bit later, but a lot of this stuff, Nico, Lou Reed, uh, and then, and then when the new wave came in, I was, you know, I just great stuff. And it's just the, uh, the Ramones, he, he, he just, I'm really, I, I admire people who kind of can see over the horizon like, like Danny can. Um, and, uh, I just, I mean, I don't know if I have a question here. I just, I, just one of those things where you sort of, when you're watching this film, when you're watching Danny says, uh, you want to meet him, you want to talk to him, you want to find out what he <laughs> thinks, you know? And I think that's a testament to you as a filmmaker that you were able to, uh, to draw that out of him. Um, oh, thanks man. I mean, yeah, this is a lot of this stuff is the template for modern music and culture, uh, you know, I mean, these people helped pioneer what we know as alternative, quote unquote, whether it's music, fashion, art, etc. Yeah. I, well, I'm speaking to you from a college radio station that would have been in the forefront of embracing so many of the people that he, in fact, have been embracing these kinds of artists and continuing in that tradition of people who um, are are pointing in another direction in some way or another. Um, and uh, so it's a spirit that does in some way, sometimes it feels a little marginalized uh, more than it should, but are still very interested in, in seeing, uh, you know, the new artists, people who have a different vision and or ability to connect with people in ways that we haven't seen uh, before. Um, do you think that that is something oh, I want to go before I get into that? The Warhol thing. Okay. What do you want to know? Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I'm I'm always fascinated by that whole that that uh, co- uh, collection of people. Uh, Danny's was how, at what point did he sort of get in uh, into in the door with Warhol? Was that early on, mid? What 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 sort of era did Danny connect with Andy Warhol? Uh, if you know, I think the first time he really connected connected was when he met him at that party with Ivy Nicholson where she's trying to jump out the window, which is oh, right. illustrated literally in, in, in the film. Um, and that would have been 1964 um, because that story is in Andy Warhol's Popism book, which is sort of his uh, hmm. remembrances of the 60s. And uh, before that, Danny sort of saw him from afar at... Uh, um, the San Remo Bar in in New York, and okay. uh, Danny and his younger friends were known as the Younger Jewish Set, the YJS, and all the Warhol people were known as the Mole people because they took amphetamines and <laughs> stayed up all night and always had round sunglasses on. <laughs> you know, 
probably lived underground. Probably. So, yeah. Well, I, and that's that would be just prior to uh, Warhol's sort of explosion onto the art scene, wh- where he was reviled and beloved at the same time by so much, uh, so many different people in, in that in that era, and so much different. I, I you know, I, I could go, I could talk about Warhol for a long time. I won't, but I, I feel like uh, he just had such a um, a, a, a resounding impact on culture and on art, good and bad, I will say, for the record. But um, but at the same time, somebody who was a gifted um, innovator in many ways. So uh, now the the film, Danny says, as a, as you mentioned, kind of a, a lot of different elements in it. There's uh, there's the the the, the footage from uh, the era. The interviews you shot with Danny uh, Fields, and some very creative and cool um, animated segments in 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 the in the film. Um, just kind of curious, what what was your thought when you were sort of trying to blend all of this stuff together? What were you, what are you going for when you're in terms of your portrayal of Danny Fields? Well, I definitely wanted to uh, break up the sort of. Uh conventional talking head and archival footage that, that, you know, dominates a lot of these kind of documentaries. And uh, Danny's stories are so vivid and sarcastic and funny and candid, so I thought that there should be a playful visual on screen for some of these stories. Uh, and audiences really respond to them, and um, I, I, it was, they were so much fun to create with the four animators that we used during the, the, the film. Um, and it also speaks to the the era's kind of druggy, trippy yeah. uh, uh, atmosphere. So yeah, and then in some cases, you know, it's it's literally out of necessity. There just isn't enough archival footage to go around. Yeah. And you know, to show a talking head, you're gonna. It's like when you read a book, you're kind of visualizing it, anyways. Uh, right. So I think that this is a really um, cool way of, you know, not only letting new artists come in and just letting them do their thing in the film, but it kind of uh, really uh, illuminates these stories. And, uh, you know, the the key example of that is probably the the Nico and Jim Morrison meeting at the castle in Los Angeles. (laughs) Yes, there is that. (laughs) I also also like the animated segment. part of the film on the Beatles and the whole um I don't want should I give this away is, is I don't go ahead no, yeah yeah I, well like the infamous comment by John Lennon that the Beatles were bigger than um than Jesus is actually tell us the connection to Danny Fields will you please well, Danny Fields was managing editor at Daybook Magazine in 1966. It was his first job in the music business, and this is his first issue. And he thought, "Well, I got to compete with Sixteen Magazine, which then was really the first pop culture magazine that was selling well over a million copies." This was way before Rolling Stone. Yeah. And uh, so Danny says, "Let's do a shout out controversy issue and put all these quotes." on the front cover, and the first quote on there is Paul McCartney saying, anyone who's black is a dirty N-word, and, you know, or America's a lousy country where right, anyone's black right, is right. a dirty N-word. And, you know, that's Paul uh, commenting on the U.S. race relations. Yeah. You know, the Beatles 
famously were not playing gigs in the South where um, crowds would be segregated. And, right. you know, they're from London. They just thought it was ridiculous, or Liverpool, rather. And uh, so the second quote was, I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. And if you look further in the issue, John Lennon says, the Beatles are more popular than Jesus now. Uh, and that sent, you know, these uh, DJs at WAQY in Alabama um, just sent them into a tailspin, and they started Beatle boycotts and um, burning Beatle records, yeah. and it was this huge controversy that eventually John Lennon had to uh, respond yeah. to and apologize. He did that in Chicago and at numerous press conferences. So that was all done with, with Danny Fields taking an old interview from Maureen Cleave and just reprinting different parts of it. But the interesting thing for me that's very telling about America is that, uh, you know, once again, it wasn't Paul McCartney's quote that was the big uh, yeah. stirrer. It was it was John Lennon's We're More Popular Than Jesus. So mm. Jesus always trumps the race, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess it does. Is well, there. well, I remind our listeners, we're speaking with uh, Brandon Toller as the director of a new documentary called Danny Says. You can find out more about the uh, film at dannysaysfilm.com. It's in theaters, and it, and you can also see it via the uh, uh, pay-per-view, VOD kind of stuff. So check that out as well. Um, do you think there, there was a core—I mean, I am probably just contributed to the Beatles' uh, decision to stop touring, but— do you th- is that fair? Would that be a fair th- thing to say? I know they were they, they were kind of they were kind of pissed but, uh, about the it, whole it screaming seems thing. Some reviewers have gotten tripped up on that part of it, yeah. but uh, you know, I mean, Danny says he jokes at the end of the the segment. He says, uh, you know, right I, I that, broke yeah. up the Beatles and ha 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 ha. And he says, well, if you had to sell a candy bar in twenty words or less, but. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is even in Ron Howard's new film that, you know, this date book thing was really another nail in the coffin for the Beatles. Yeah. And later, uh, Yoko had some sort of memoir that came out in 1978, and in it, John says, thank God for that Jesus thing. I could get <laughs> out of this puppet show. Yeah. Well, you know? they were, they were, they couldn't, you couldn't hear their music because of all the shrieking that was going on. That was certainly a part of it. But, you know, I mean, it's one of those little things in, pop culture history that you go you just go hmm i wonder you know you wonder and uh but it sounds like you're you're sort of confirming some of at least some part of that to be true yeah for sure i mean it's represented in the press so many different ways yeah. but i mean it's even linked to john's death uh mark david chapman was obsessed with john lennon until he found out about these quotes and views on religion oh, that john had so yeah. Oh my God! Wow. Well, this is a wonderful documentary. Danny was an is an amazing guy. How is he doing? I think he's doing great. Um, you know, he did, he chose not to show up to the premiere the other night, which was, I you know, I don't know. He for this this isn't a vanity project for him. It's not like he hired me. Yeah. Uh, he was supportive in his own way, but he didn't give me any creative direction. He did not tell me who to include in the film. He did not ask who said what. Yeah. Um, and he ended up, he did see it once before South by Southwest, and he, he thought it was great. So, okay. uh, you know, and audiences have really been reacting to him and his stories because uh, most have never heard of this guy, but yet he's connected to some of the 
best, you know, most provocative artist, you know, 1966 on. Yeah, amazing stuff. Well, it's it's uh, it's a great documentary, uh, and uh, so check it out. Uh, Danny says uh, the director is Brendan Toller. Uh, thank you, and uh, all the best uh, on on this as well as uh, future projects. Something comes up, feel free to you know come on come on back. I'd love to uh, right. talk to you more thank about you. your work. Uh. All right, <laughs> thanks, uh, Brendan. Thanks, Michael. Uh, you take Bye. care. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.